This is All Things Considered. From NPR News, I'm Melissa Bloch. And I'm Michelle Norris. Here is a fruit for the crows to pluck, for the rain to gather, for the wind to suck, for the sun to rot, for a tree to drop. Here is a strange and bitter crop. Poet and songwriter Abel Mirapol wrote that lament after seeing a photograph of two black teenagers hanging from a tree. Strange Fruit was later made famous by singer Billie Holiday. Southern trees bear a strange fruit. The lynching occurred 80 years ago this weekend in Marion, Indiana. In addition to the two young men who were killed, a third boy, James Cameron, had a noose put around his neck, but his life was spared. Decades later, a box of recordings was found in a basement that contained the recollections of people who witnessed or took part in the events of that day. Joe Richmond and Ana Yancy Diaz-Cortez of Radio Diaries produced this story of one of the most iconic lynchings in American history. A word of warning, it contains language and descriptions of violence that some listeners may find disturbing. It was night of August the 7th, 1930. And it was after dark, and I knew something's going to happen. It was a smothery day in summer when you just couldn't get your breath hardly. And all over town, you felt uh, like something was wrong. We heard about the shooting and the uh, sort of dangerous condition of the mob gathering down there, you know. There had never been anything like this. It come unexpected to the whole town. We didn't think anything would develop up here because those things just don't happen up north. You know, you get mixed up in a feeling you couldn't control. My name is Jim Madison. I'm a historian at Indiana University. I'm the author of A Lynching in the Heartland, Race and Memory in America. On the night of August the 6th of 1930, Claude Dieter, who was age 24, a local factory worker in Marion, Indiana, was shot. We know that three young black men were at the scene of the crime. We know that there was also a young white woman who was at the scene of the crime. Who pulled the trigger, who shot Claude Dieter, is not known, and I don't think really can be known. The sheriff, Jake Camel, he had been looking for the three colored boys, and they went out to the home of Ship, Smith, and Cameron. Tom Ship, who was 19, Abe Smith, who was 18, James Cameron, who was 16. James Cameron especially was very slight in stature. Uh, he looked like he was 12 or 13, not even 16. My name is James Cameron. Uh, I can never forget that night. When they put me in this jail, I was in there about three hours when daylight approached, and they were gathering in small knots of people, eight to ten people at a time, and shaking fists up at the jail, and, and, the, and the crowds kept getting bigger and bigger all during the day. I came down from the office, and Grendel said, where are you going, kiddo? And I said, well, I'm going home. I said, I've finished my day's work. And he said, well, you better stick around. And I said, well, what's going on? I said, I haven't heard anything. And he said, well, they're going to lynch the niggers. And I said, oh, Grendel, you're kidding. And he said, no, I'm not. He said, you better stick around. He said, there's going to be some excitement. 
So we went down to Marion and drove in on the square, just for curiosity. People from all over town, from all over the county, get in their cars and drive to the courthouse square. Hundreds of cars blocking the streets, parked at all kinds of crazy angles like spilled matchsticks. There were some estimates by newspaper reporters that as many as 10,000 people were at the scene in this little Indiana town by early evening as the sun was setting. It was something like 7 or 7.30, and it just seemed like things were just normal. And then all at once, why, things just broke loose and started to happen. Claude Dieter died in the Marion Hospital. And as news of his death spread, people became more and more incensed. The police removed Dieter's bloody shirt and hung it from the front window of the police station. The white man who had been shot, his bloody shirt was hanging on the flagpole of police headquarters there in Marion, Indiana, for the whole city to see, waving a red flag in front of a bull. That's what you might call it. And this mob, a lot of them were good citizens but they'd been whipped up to an edge where they were ready for anything. And they got that rope on one of the hardware stores here. The rope that they used was new rope. It was about three-eighths inch. I used to have a piece of it. And this mob started for the jail, and as it went, it got bigger all the way. Benjamin Franklin said that a lynch mob is a beast of many hands and no brains. But there were brains in this lynch mob standing in front of that jail. Leaders who knew what they were doing. That jail wall was that thick, and they had sledges and crowbars. And the sheriff, Jake Campbell, they started pounding on the doors, and old Jake wouldn't open up. He would not do it. The sheriff had plenty of police officers there to stop the action of the mob, but the sheriff gave orders not to shoot out into the crowd because there were women and children out there. So when the uh, mob heard that, some big men, four or five of them, asked for a sledgehammer, and they began to pound around the front door of the jail, which was ironclad. And finally, they busted a hole in this iron door, and then the jail was theirs. They took Tommy out of his jail cell block. They beat Tommy first. And they come dragging one of the boys out of the jail. They took him right down the sidewalk. Everybody was kicking, hitting him, and everything else. We, we knew that Tommy was dead when they drug him out of sight because someone had ran a crowbar through him several times. And then they drug him through the streets like a dead horse. People were beating on him with anything they had in their hand and screaming and carrying. It was just out of this world. It was terrible. The mob then returned to the jail and pulled out Abe Smith, 18 years old, carrying him a block and a half from the Grant County Jail to a maple tree on the courthouse square. He was alive all the way, and there, with another noose, they threw over the limb of that tree and pulled the body up. And he reached up to get hold of the rope to keep from choking him. So they let him down and broke his arms so he couldn't hang on to the rope and they pulled him up again. The town photographer, Beitler, set up his cumbersome equipment, his big powder flash, and took a photograph of the bodies and of the crowd 
Someone wrote at the time that it looked just like people gathering at a county fair, men and women, old and young, a couple holding hands, a pregnant woman, a man in working clothes, a man with a coat and tie, ordinary average Americans attracted to the spectacle of lynching. So after 15 or 20 minutes of having their pictures taken and everything, they came back to get me. And uh, just then the sheriff came in, and he was sweating like somebody had thrown a bucket of water in his face. He told the mob leader, said, get the hell out of here. Say, you've already hung two of them, so that ought to satisfy you. And then they began to yell for me like a favorite basketball or football player. They said, we want Cameron, we want Cameron, we want Cameron. And uh, I looked over into the faces of people as they were beating me along the way up to the tree. I was pleading for some kind of mercy, looking for a kind face, but I could find none. They got me up to the tree, and they got a rope, and they put it around my neck, and they began to push me under the tree. And that's when I prayed to God. I said, Lord, have mercy and forgive me my sins. This is the point where we don't know exactly what happened. Some people say that a man stood up on the top of a car roof and shouted out, he's innocent, he didn't do it. Whatever was said, whoever said it, whatever the cause, the mob decided at the last minute not to lynch James Cameron. I suspect that Cameron was spared because he had the good luck of being the third, not the first or second, because he looked so young. Whatever the causes, James Cameron was taken back to the jail and his life was spared. Why, after it happened, I'd wished a thousand times I hadn't been so inquisitive. And then, you know, both those trees died after yeah. that. And so at the end of the day, the town photographer he took the photograph, went back to his studio, and stayed up through the night making copies, which were sold on the courthouse square in Marion, Indiana, the next morning at 50 cents apiece, souvenir postcards of that Marion lynching. I have one of the original pictures, and in that picture, I can pick out Big Steve, who run the Marion Flyer. I could pick out Harry Lennon, who was a brother-in-law later on of Carl Barney, who beat me for mayor. I can pick out Happy Ansel. I can pick out Happy Ansel's mother-in-law. I can pick out... That's what makes that photograph the most famous lynching picture. If you cover the people up, you just got a lynching of two blacks hanging on the tree. But when you remove your hand and you see the expressions on their faces, that's what adds the importance to the picture because of the people in it. And that photograph was one of the instigators of Mirpol writing this wonderful, wonderful song called Strange Fruit, made all the more wonderful because Billie Holiday sang it. Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze Strange fruit hanging from the poplar tree James Cameron was eventually convicted and served four years in jail. 
much, much later on, the governor of Indiana in 1993 issued an official pardon for James Cameron. When a traumatic event happens like that, it makes an indelible imprint on the mind. But I told them since Indiana had forgiven me, I in turn forgive Indiana. Here is a strange and bitter James Cameron went on to write a book about his experience. It was called A Time of Terror. He died in 2006 at the age of 92. Our story was produced by Joe Richman and Anayansi Diaz-Cortez of Radio Diaries with Deborah George, Ben Shapiro, and Samara Freemark. Special thanks to Fresh Air and to the Indiana Purdue University Archive. You're listening to All Things Considered from NPR News.